Hey, everybody, you're listening to the Cross Culture Podcast, where we have conversations to help Christian leaders create a cross culture in their church. Wherever you're listening from, we hope that this conversation helps you take the next step of embracing God's beautiful, diverse vision for your church. Let's dive in. Hey, y'all, welcome back to another conversation on the Cross Culture Podcast. This is Philip, pastor of Radiant Church, and today I am joined by a very special guest, Joy Heath. Joy, how are you feeling today? I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. Excellent. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I was um, born and raised in Maui, Hawaii, to immigrant parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a first-generation American. Very proud of my parents and how far they've come. Um, grew up in a Catholic church. So I crossed off all the boxes, checked off all the boxes of going through catechism, um, getting confirmed, and then my parents, unfortunately, they um, split when I was about 12 or 13 years old. And so I moved to Vegas with my father. Okay. For some reason, everyone from Hawaii moves to Vegas. And so <laughs> it's good to know. We went with them. Um, and from there, I became a um, teenage mom, single mom, and just kind of did my thing there. And when I turned 18, I just traveled around the country. And when my daughter became school age, we made our way back to Hawaii, but to a different island, not to Maui. We went back to the big island. And so, yeah. Some life experiences on you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So other than being a very interesting person, our audience may be wondering, (laughs) hey, who is this Joy person? And why are we talking to her today? So, Joy, what what do you do for Radiant Church now? Okay. Um, Now, Uh I am the director of operations for Radiant Church. And my role is... Exactly that. I direct all the operations. And <laughs> Tell so, everybody what to do yeah. at all times. <laughs> Joy is the where are you, where are you going, what are you doing person. No. Exactly. And when are you coming back? <laughs> when are you coming back? <laughs> so uh, today, y'all, we have a special uh, topic that we want to talk about. Um, we've been talking about these practical things around diversity. We've been talking about groups and preaching. And now I want to kind of walk into uh, the next phase of this conversation of diversity in the details. Diversity in the details. And so I figured what better person to bring on to talk about this than the person who lives in the details for Radiant Church, who helps us do all of these things. So um, one more question. How would you describe kind of your cultural background before coming to Radiant Church? Maybe your cultural church, your church culture backgrounds. Was it diverse churches? Was it monoethnic spaces? Like what what was your experience before showing up here? Oh, was it diverse? Uh, Yes, Mm -hmm. but no. Okay. So. I'm interested. Yes. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. In the sense of I have experience, um, I have experience with different diversities. Mm -hmm. Um, So growing up in a Catholic church, it was predominantly Filipino, Mm -hmm. uh, middle class. So went with my Filipino family, Filipino neighbors, um, listened to a Filipino priest to um, coming and meeting Christ through a Southern Baptist church, predominantly white, and in Hawaii, where um, a third of them are, third of them are retired. Okay, and so where I lived in Hawaii on the Big Island, it was probably the most exp- one of the most expensive areas to live in as far as mm. real estate goes, and so upper class, you know, more white collar, wealthier predominantly white church. And so, yes, in the sense of going from an all brown church to predominantly white church, but as far as diverse churches specifically, 
no. Mm. All right. That's, that's really helpful background. I think that's maybe giving you some really helpful experiences, I'm assuming, being here. Uh, where we try to do everything kind of intentionally. Uh, so now transitioning, you've been part of a radiant for for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of started and stopped, but for maybe like what four or five years total, been part yeah. of the radiant store. Was it longer than that? Yeah, no. Um, so I came on originally right after the first year anniversary. Okay, yeah, as yeah. your EA, yeah, yeah, as your executive assistant. So about because we're about to celebrate six years here in a few months. Yes. So almost five years. Hey, look at that. Mm-hmm. Look at us. Full circle. <laughs> Full circle. Uh, so I guess now in your role of director of ministry operations, like you said, you've done some other things. You've had your hand on a lot of things. When it comes to just working behind the scenes, like not just the preaching, not just the groups, maybe not things that people even notice. Mm-hmm. What has surprised you the most about how we pursue the goal to be a cross-culture church? Like mm-hmm. the things that we do that's like, huh, that's interesting. The You said it. It's the intentionality in the details Mm -hmm. and that's what drives our decisions. And so I find that our culture on staff is before we make a decision, we always ask, are we being inclusive Mm -hmm. or exclusive? And yes, in the preaching, yes, in the music, things that are so visible, but definitely things behind the scenes that are not visible. I mean, even when we plan events, Mm -hmm. you know, what kind of decoration are we going to use? What kind of food are we going to present? Um, what kind of, how are we going to handle staffing and security and what does that look like for other people? Mm-hmm. And so um, the intentionality and all of the details for, yes, the things that are seen um, and things that are not seen. Yeah. And in your role, you're oftentimes one of the last touch points before staff makes a decision, right? From mm-hmm. our worship team to our facilities, you're kind of in the mix on all of those, kind of putting that final touch before a final decision gets made or final purchases gets ha- makes uh, gets to may- be made. What what are some of the things that you and your role think through as you're looking at uh, a staff decision or a volunteer leader decision before you kind of stamp your approval on it? What are some of the questions that you're asking, particularly around cross-cultural diversity? Exactly what I just said. Am I being inclusive or am I being exclusive? And so am I including you? Am I making space for you and your cultural background? Or am I excluding you? Am I am I? intentionally creating space where it is comfortable for you to exercise worship or even how you serve. And so I always make sure that my team and volunteer team leaders are always a part of that decision-making. We have, I love our team so much and we all have such really big personalities, but we're all very, very diverse. And so making sure that, um, we all can find a middle ground um, to make sure that everyone feels like they're a part of yeah. of the worship experience. Mm. Can you think of a real life example for those who are listening um, and like, okay, yeah, it sounds good, but what does that, what does that look like? Can you think of a real life decision-making process? Uh, it could be big or small, right? And maybe, mm. you know, change the names, protect the innocent. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but can you think of a real life decision that we've made recently that you had to kind of inject some of that thinking into uh, what what was the decision that was made? How'd you get there? Uh, walk us through just like a real life example of something. Mm. If you can think of something, I'm putting you on the spot a little no, bit. No, it's fine. I can actually think of two mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think which one I want to share. Um, Maybe do both. Just start with one. We'll see okay. how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one of our um, last big events was held off site and we were talking about because we were going to have a large children pop uh, 
children population. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to make sure that we enforce um, safety and security for the kids and the parents. You know, kids are are coming in with and are and leaving with the same people they came in with. Sure. And so we were discussing security. Um, should we staff our volunteers for security, or should we get professional? a professional security team or even off-duty police officers. And so we went back and forth on the police officers and we decided that yes, although some might feel comfortable when they come in and they see the police officers and they're like, um, because after doing all the research, Mm -hmm. if we were to hire off-duty police officers, they would come in in a team of four, Mm -hmm. which seemed a little aggressive. And so considering the neighborhood and the people that might be more off-putting than inviting. Yeah. And so we took that off the table. Yeah. That's incredible. That's a really good example, right? Just the perception of walking into a children's area where you have uniformed, you know, officers and four uniformed officers, it'd be really comforting for some, really disorienting for probably for others. Right. So that's that's a great example. What was the other one? I'm curious now. Okay. Should've I should have kept, kept those cards close <laughs> close to my chest. Um, the other one was for another special service. And we were talking about um, one of our team members said, what if we had an area um, where people can come in and light candles and pray? Because some people come from that type of background. Mm-hmm. And I said, I agree. I think that's great. Let's talk about it. And so our team just, we went back and forth for a while. And I think over two or three ops meetings, we discussed it. Um, We talked about the logistics and also the cultural um, experience of it. So yes, some might embrace it and might even find it endearing. um, But there also might be some people that might be triggered by it. And so we, we erred on the side of, Let's take that off the table because yeah. it might can cause triggers. It might can cause people to to go back to where they don't want to go back to, mm-hmm. you know, and remember things that they don't want to remember. And so we took that off the table and no one noticed it yeah. because no one expected it. There we go. Um, and if you're listening to this, you're like, man, like this seems like a tedious process. Um, I would say it can be at times, right? It can be. Yeah. Because you can't just make a decision like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Right. You've got to say that's a great idea. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so because um, a great idea to me may not be a great idea for the many. Right. And so this idea of considering, but it's also uh, kind of functioning in a shepherding way because you're not even in your role thinking about how this uh, decisions get made at Radiant. Like I hear you talking about the, the specific people here at Radiant Church. Right. We're not just talking about in a vacuum like we're talking about, I know these folks, I'm in relationship with these folks. Like I've heard their stories. I know some of their testimonies. And so we're talking about really an element of, of shepherding and caring, not just running through like a checkbox system. So decision that we might here at Radiant may be a bad decision, but maybe a good decision for another church with people who have different stories and different backgrounds. And so, um, so it's not quite a formula. It's more just questions to ask. Is that, would that be a fair way to say it? That would be. Yeah? Yes. And I'm glad you said that because I feel like, I believe that my leadership philosophy and even my parenting now is really based on Proverbs 27, 23, where he says, know the state of your flock and put your heart into caring for your herds. And so it really is building these relationships and knowing your people and how to care for them. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great, great reminder. Um, 
There are some, Joy, who are listening to this or may not be listening to this, that think that diversity in a church should be organic. It should just happen. And when you start to get all this intentional, it can be like manipulative and not spirit filled because it's so planned. And so it should just happen. Right. That's how you know it's real. That's how you know it's authentic. Um, I disagree with that. And I think you would as well. But why? Why for you do you think, no, like intentionality is okay, organic, things just happening doesn't make it better or more authentic. How would you address the folks who hear this and say, man, that just sounds contrived or Mm -hmm. devoid of the spirit spontaneously moving to bring in diverse people? Right. Um, Yes, I do disagree. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to discount what the spirit can do, because spirit can do more than what we can plan. But as far as organically and naturally, I feel like people organically, naturally gravitate towards people that are just like themselves. Mm -hmm. And so same interests, um, maybe two steps to the left um, or same hobbies. um, Their kids might be the same age. And so people typically just kind of draw towards people that are like themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it makes me think of a of a friendship that I that I had that I for the last ten years. Um, in the beginning, we weren't each other's cup of tea. Did not like each other, not one bit. Mm-hmm. But given the circumstances, we both agreed we need to try and make this work, and we had to intentionally learn about each other, um, check each other's pulses, understand each other, knowing each other's state, so we can properly care for each other. Fast forward to ten years. It's probably my most sweetest friendship because of all of that investment put in it. Um, And obviously, over the 10 years, we genuinely love each other and now understand where you're coming from. Now, now we understand this is why this upsets you. This is why this makes you feel uncomfortable. Yet we made space for each other to be that, whether it made ourselves uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. No, that's that's a really powerful example because that's it's similar to what I would say to those who push back on some of the the crass intentionality that we and other churches put into being a, a, a diverse space is like in no other realm of relationships would we say that organic is better hmm. right no one's like hey just get married and it'll just happen man like your, your love will just continue to grow y'all will love each other like don't don't plan stuff like don't you know don't be all formulaic about it just let it happen like nobody would really say that Maybe you might think that before you get married, mm-hmm. but once you get married, you realize, okay, this there's some work here, right? There's some intentionality. We're going to put some stuff on the schedule. Like we're going to have to plan some things in order for cultivation to happen. Um, same thing with preaching a few weeks back. Like there's, you don't rob the spirit of his power by preparing your sermon. You don't rob the spirit of his, his ability to move by actually thinking about what you're going to say before you say it. And so um, I think in no other realm are we sometimes against intentionality, except for it comes to diversity in the church, at least that I found. And so I'm glad you brought up the idea of relationships because that's a good parallel. When you really care for somebody, you're going to learn them, mm-hmm. right? You're going to ask questions and you're going to seek to care for them in, a, in an understanding way. And so I think that's a really good example. Uh, what, one more thought here. If someone was listening to this podcast who does work behind the scenes, maybe has a similar role to you in another church, what are some things that they could be doing to help cultivate a cross culture in their church? So they're not a preacher, they're not a upfront leader, but they've got some some realm of authority and, and influence on the how things are done behind the scenes. What are some encouragements that you would give to that person? That's a great question. 
I think setting the standard of that leader, leaders step outside of your comfort zone. You have to ask that question. Am I being inclusive or exclusive? I think that's a really, really big first step to take um, and making decisions based on knowing the state of your flock. And so go to their house, invite them to your house, build those relationships, get uncomfortable um, because that, that will help you make informed decisions later on um, how to, uh, about how to create a diverse workspace. And so I'm not saying when I say go to their house or let them come to your house, build those relationships that I'm not saying make the build those relationships with every single person in your church. Start off with your team, Mm -hmm. start off with your team, get to know your team, get to know their family, get to know their background, know their testimonies, share your testimonies. And now they will find it normal. And now you're creating a trend and now they can step out and do that with their team and their volunteers and their families and their children. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the biggest step. Would you change that advice for somebody who looks around and because only 23, I think, percent of all churches are considered diverse in America right now. So almost eight out of 10 people listening to this, their team will be just their people mm-hmm. and they'll look just like them. And so what would you say to somebody in that same position who may looks around to their team and says, it's not really diverse. We all go to the same kinds of schools, all same class of, you know, economics, same, you know, political leanings. How would you encourage them to kind of inject some intentional diversity in a setting where they don't necessarily have the raw material already? That's a really good question. You know, I think, you know what, at the end of the day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And so don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part of that work? And so I think it's okay to gather up your team and address it as a team. You don't have to do it on your own. Address it as a team. Like, listen, let's bring some others into what we're doing. What we have is great, yeah. but it can be greater if we involve other people as well. And so figure out your community, figure out um, your your passions, your mission passions, you know, and, and, and get creative with your team. You're not alone. Yeah. You know, your work is so important to overlook that and to give up and, and to dismiss it, you know, take part of it and have fun while you're at it. But I think the biggest thing is, is address it first, address it with your team, bring all of your team's ideas and passions to the table and figure out how can we reach these people? How can we reach our community? And the only way you can do that is to be in your community. Yeah. And build those relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'll end with just a couple of rapid fire things that we do. Uh, (laughs) Not questions. I'm going to share some things that we do. And I want you to add to the list. Add to the list. So if people are wondering, okay, what are some more examples? Like what what do you all guys do behind the scenes to cultivate a cross culture in your church? I'm going to share some and I would love for you to share some as well. All right. I'll go first. Uh, One is... We, for example, when we hire a staff member, every staff member has to read the same two books, uh, Divided by Faith and Right Color, Wrong Culture by Brian Loritz, uh, Divided by Faith by Michael Emerson. And we have everyone read those two books, not because it's an exhaustive study of race and justice in America, but it gives everyone a similar language and a similar base data set. Because the reality is for when it comes to, to race and difference, most of us only have our experiences to pull from. Some of us have really healthy cross-cultural experiences and we feel like we got it. Others don't even know what we don't know because we just haven't had that. 
And so it gives everybody just an equal playing field when it comes to information um, and language for communication for one another. And so uh, we've shared this before, like Brian Luritz has the C1, C2, C3 paradigm, and that's a helpful thing for everybody on our staff to be able to share and be able to talk about. Um, so that's one thing. Um, another thing that we do kind of behind the scenes is we count the people in our church service and not just the number of people. We actually divide it up into diversity. And so on a weekly basis, we measure not just the number of people who came and attended our services, but what was the breakdown across ethnicity groups. And so uh, some people are weirded out by that for whatever reason. Like even people at Radiant Church are like are weirded out by like, y'all count? Like, well, yeah, how, how else would we know if we're moving in the right direction or we're moving in the wrong direction? And so um, that's another thing that we do. Uh, what am I missing? What are some things that we do on a regular basis uh, that's kind of behind the scenes to cultivate this kind of stuff? I love that you brought up the staffing. Um, we also take the five voices assessment. Yes. And Which you love so much. I do because <laughs> I love surveys. I love paperwork and homework. Um, but it's a great tool to understand your new staff member, your new team mem- members, how, as far as how they communicate, yep. how they respond to things. Um how they work under pressure, mm-hmm. things like that. And also, I think when it comes to our website, mm. pictures we choose, yeah. our marketing, is it diverse? Um, and not just in color, but even in age, mm-hmm. um, different affinity groups. Are they married? Are they single? Are they college kids? Is it? Yeah. yeah so yep. marketing as well. Marketing as well. All right. I think this has been helpful for folks. What do you think? I think so. Think so? What are some final words, Joy? Final thoughts for anybody who might be listening um, on this topic of diversity and the details. Any final words that you want to leave somebody with? Sure. Yeah. Listen, ministry and what you do can be hard. It can be exhausting. But it can also be really fun as well. So have fun. And don't forget to bring God into what you're doing and find joy in your work. Yeah. I promise it's worth it. It's worth it. Amen. So hopefully this has been helpful. Once again, our, our goal today was to kind of share um, how those who may not be preaching or teaching or leading or singing can still have really uh, meaningful and measurable impact on the culture of the church. Um, and our Joy Heath may never preach a sermon here, although we're working on her. No, <laughs> <laughs> she may never lead a song up front. Um, she may not have some of these uh, very visible roles that sometimes in a Sunday morning service that you see. Um, but she's probably one of the linchpins and really anchoring us to our mission because so many decisions get made that impact the culture of the church. Um, and if you don't have somebody in that role who's thinking through the lens of who does this punish, who does this prefer, you know, who are we excluding, who are we including, what does this decision say about us to different people? If you don't have somebody thinking through those things, um, it can't always be the pastor, unfortunately, just because the number of decisions that need to be made, the timelines that need to be made in, like I'm not even able to be involved in all of these decisions. And so to have somebody on your team, like a Joy Heath or like whoever you have, who has these grids and these frameworks, but also that shepherding heart. Um, for your particular people, um, I think is essential for really not just creating a service that's diverse, but a church culture that is representative of what we hope to be a part of for all eternity. So that's it. Hopefully this has been biblical, helpful, and practical. Go to the website, shoot us a question. We'd love to address what you want us to talk about. Until then, Joy, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. 
Hey, thanks for joining our conversation today. This podcast is a resource of the Cross Culture Collective. If you want to learn more about who we are or what we're up to, you can visit us online at crossculturecollective.com or on all the socials at the Cross Culture Collective.